out. <laughs> Maybe this is what's happening to the people in my story today. <laughs> just listening to our theme song They're too like, loud. I don't know what's causing it. <laughs> Oh, the trick I just realized is that I, I couldn't quickly find the, the track, so this is just the beginning of an episode. Oh, nice. It's going to begin with us talking. Ooh. <laughs> In fact, let's see. Oh, we'll see what the test is. Okay, so it's us. Stop <laughs> <laughs> Dolby test. Yes. What's happening? This is very confusing. <laughs> oh, they're just different Dolby it's intro tests. Okay, so a lot of different sound tests. That we, would be a pretty crazy podcast idea, though. We could just every single time use the previous episode's Holy fuck. Uh, intro, and it's just the previous one layered in. Ooh, I kind of like that. Let's try that for a few weeks and see how inseparable it gets and how fast. That's insane, though. Yeah, right. I like that. Welcome to Super Duper Stitches. The paranormal podcast. It gets really bad ideas about how to start the show. In, indeed, but that doesn't deter it from doing them anyway and bringing you fun, science-y spookiness every week of the year, except for the weeks we don't do it. Exactly. <laughs> but most of the weeks we do. So there. So yeah. I'm Wyatt. I'm Jake. And uh, we're here to tell you about some more weird noise stuff. Weird noise stuff. It's been a minute since we last talked about audio auditory phenomena. Hot piping hot minute it was i think episode five cinco de episodo indeed yeah so it's episode 34 now so mm-hmm. it's uh given that a podcast is a you know an audio format it makes sense that we would cover audio stuff so we're mm-hmm. doing it mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. what yep yep back back to our old habits yes do we have any updates on anything we want to jump into before we get started no Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Do you? I don't. No, <laughs> no I don't okay. either. <laughs> cool. Well, then, I uh, I think it's my turn to start. Is that correct? Kick us right off. Let me, gra- let me grab another beer. Yeah, go for it. Right now, we are drinking uh, Mason's Liquid Rapture. Now, we've only had Mason's on the show once before. It was delicious. Now, yes, this indeed. is no exception. Indeed. What's going to be next on deck? Got, Hipster uh, Apocalypse. Also, Mason's. Excellent. Oh, it's going to be a good. I recently came into, I was Reach bequeathed the a bunch of beer <laughs> from a, a work thing, and now I just have a bunch of really good beer, so don't hate it one bit. No, indeed. Thank you, Jake's work friends. <laughs> I wouldn't and call thank them you, Mason's. Um, <laughs> work associates. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have here an article written for theconversation.com by hmm. Glenn McPherson, an educator and a man of science, which is to say he has a lot of jobs. I don't feel like listing, but they're all cool. That's cool. I'm yeah, into he's, it. He's um, been a lecturer at a couple of universities and hmm. uh, I think also high school science teacher of different sorts and does a lot of different cool stuff, but like, he's nice. Yeah, he's legit. In the spring of 2012, when I was living near the coastal village of Seychelles on Seychelles, maybe Seychelles, Seychelles, the Seychelles, uh, on British Columbia's picturesque Sunshine Coast, mm. I began hearing a humming sound, which I thought might be float planes. The noise uh, usually started later at night, between 10 and 11 p.m. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, my first clue that something unusual was happening came with the realization that the sound didn't fade away like plane noises typically do. And the slightest ambient noise, exhaling audibly, even turning my head quickly, caused it to momentarily stop. One night after the sound started, I stepped outside the house. Nothing. I was the only person in the house who could hear it. Mm. My family said they didn't know what I was talking about. Naturally, I assumed something in the house was the culprit. Mm -hmm. I searched for the source in vain. Mm. I even ended up cutting the power to the entire house. The sound got louder. 
What? I can't imagine him just like in desperation taking an axe. Slashing his cord. Yeah, I was thinking about that too, actually. (laughs) Well, I couldn't hear the sound outdoors. I could still hear it in my car at night with the windows closed and the ignition off. (laughs) I was going to say, and the engine running. (laughs) I drove for miles in every direction and it was still there in the background when I stopped the car. I was able to rule out obvious sources, industrial activity, marine traffic, electrical substations, and highway noise. When I searched on the internet for, quote, unusual low-frequency humming noise, mm-hmm. I soon realized that others had conducted the same search. Hmm. I was part of the small fraction of people who can hear what is called the worldwide hum, or simply the hum. The hum. Now, before I continue with McPherson's article, let me give you a little taste of what the hum supposedly sounds like. So I'm noticing here that it sounds like this input does not allow for super low frequencies because it's getting some distortion. Mm-hmm. But generally, here's just a kind of continuous rumble. Rumble, yeah. Yeah. So that is what the hum is supposed to sound like. Cool. I have some other examples, but I'll play those later on. Sounds like me when I'm really hungry. <laughs> sounds like my dad when he's asleep. <laughs> sounds like an old car. All right, I'm done. <laughs> Sounds like a thing that makes that sound. (laughs) What's curious about the hum is that not everyone can hear it, so recordings of it do raise some questions, like how do they record it, Uh, so that we (laughs) we can also cover later on. Uh, Anyway, Mm -hmm. back to the article. The questions motivating me and thousands of others were the same. What's causing this? Can it be stopped? The classic description of the hum is that it sounds like a truck engine idling. For some, it's a distant rumbling or droning noise, kind of mm-hmm. like we just heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can start and stop suddenly or wax and wane over time. For others, the hum is loud, relentless, and life-altering. So, in general, the idea Whoa. is that it's it can be so distracting and annoying as to really kind of fuck up a person's day. Yeah, right. Uh, I eventually came across one of the two serious papers on the topic. <laughs> it was written in 2004 by geoscientist David Deming, who is also a hum hearer. Uh, I'll link to the paper, which is entitled The Hum, an Anomalous Sound Heard Around the World, published in the Journal of Scientific Exploration. Hmm. So my first move when hearing the name of the journal was, oh, let's see what the impact factor is. And what was it? Uh, it doesn't show up because it's such a fringe journal. So the journal seems like, it, you know, it's people who want to believe this stuff and maybe going out of their way to try and make it sound more legitimate. I don't know. Right. Then we began by describing the standard history. Mm-hmm. The hum was first documented in the late 1960s around Bristol, England. It first appeared in the United States in the late 1980s in Taos, New Mexico. Actually, sometimes called the Taos hum as well. That's cool. He then examined the competing hypotheses for the source of the hum. Mm. Many have pointed to the electrical grid or cell phone towers, but this theory is dismissed on two grounds. Hmm. Cell phones didn't exist in the 1960s, Okay. and the frequency emitted by both cell towers and the electric grid be easily blocked by metal enclosures so if you're in a car or you're in a lot of different kinds of buildings usually that should be enough to totally block kind of the sound. a faraday cage factor as it were or something yes else. exactly uh he wondered Look whether mass he- yeah <laughs> um he wondered whether mass hysteria was to blame a psychological phenomenon in which rumor and collective delusions lead to the appearance of physical ailments for which there's no medical explanation oh yeah we dabble we, in the collective delusional situation with we uh, sometimes uh, on occasion you barely notice it if you are a regular listener of the show. Mm-hmm. The fact that so many people have heard the hum on their own using a search engine rather than hearing about it from some other person uh, moves the conversation away from delusion and hysteria spread by word of mouth. So the idea people are actively seeking out to find out about it because they have experienced something rather mm-hmm. than someone say, oh, do you hear the sound? Like, oh, I think I have. Um, 
Deming looked at the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program, HARP, an isolated military compound in Alaska that uses radio waves to study outer space and for testing advanced communication techniques. Huh. And a favorite focus of conspiracy theorists who have accused the facility of acts ranging from mind control to weather control. Oh, classic. Yes. He said can't, the, can't do one without the other, I tell you that yeah. much. <laughs> You gotta control the weather's mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you start learning how to do minds, and then you work your way up to controlling God's mind. Because <laughs> that's how weather works. Exactly. Um, uh, he studied the possibility of otoacoustic emissions, which are naturally occurring sounds caused by the vibration of hair cells in the ear. Mm-hmm. Now, I've definitely experienced otoacoustic emissions on many occasions. Uh, for some people, it manifests as a kind of hum. Mm-hmm. For others, a high-pitched ringing. I definitely fall into the latter category. Mm-hmm. When you're in a quiet room or something, suddenly you get in one ear or both a just really, really loud, mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem to be coming from anywhere in particular. It's actually coming from inside your ear. Mm. Apparently, autoacoustic emissions, autoacoustic, apparently autoacoustic <laughs> emissions can actually be recorded with sensitive microphones positioned in the external ear canal. Oh, wow. uh, so that random ringing you occasionally hear in a quiet room is a real sound that is really happening. But it's happening only in your ear. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Autoacoustic emissions just has such a weird ring to it. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Lastly, autoacoustic emission is not to be confused with autoerotic asphyxiation. (laughs) Autoerotic. Deming eventually fingered very low frequency VLF radio waves, which are between 3 kilohertz and 30 kilohertz, as the most likely culprit. Uh, the world's military powers use massive land-based and airborne transmitters on these frequencies in order to communicate with submerged submarines. Radio waves at these frequencies can penetrate up to a solid inch of aluminum. If they can go through however much depth of water, you know, you could surmise that they can go through a variety of different substrates. Uh, in his paper, Deming, <laughs> Deming proposes a simple and elegant experiment for testing this hypothesis. Hum hearers randomly enter three identical-looking boxes. The first box blocks VLF radio signals. The second box is an anechoic or soundproof chamber. And the third box is the control. He left the experiment for others to pursue. And while there are some practical difficulties with the design, Deming's overall concept has motivated the experiments I am currently conducting. So Deming wrote Hmm. a whole paper in which he eventually just concludes, oh yeah, someone should test this shit, and moves on. Luckily, McPherson is here to pick up that slack. Hey. Chapter 2. A disciplined inquiry begins. Uh, A plethora of pseudoscience and wild conspiracy theories has the potential to drown out the serious work in this area. I've encountered seemingly serious people who have argued that the hum is caused by tunneling under the earth, the electronics targeting of specific individuals, aliens, and mating fish. Hmm. And I've seen the mating fish hypothesis too. People say, oh, this is one kind of fish that makes this sound. Fish are very chatty. They are. Some fish do make some sounds, which is they you do. know not something that fish usually need to do, but sometimes they do. Coral reefs, it's, though. If you, have you heard audio of coral reefs? I think maybe I have before. They but sound not insane. Much. It's pretty interesting, yeah. But uh, the idea that this would be heard all over the world and would be that yeah, loud no, and that continuous crazy. It doesn't sound like no. Unless the fish is having a really, really good time. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, given the need for disciplined inquiry into the phenomenon, in late 2012, I started the World Hum Map and Database Project. <laughs> or. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you pronounce the H with the W like that. 
The database gathers, documents, and maps detailed and anonymous information from people who can hear the hum. It provides raw data for research in a strictly moderated and serious forum for research and commentary while providing a sense of community for people whose lives have been negatively affected by the hum. Um, here, hmm. one of the parts that they have to this website is a map showing where all of the um, occurrences have been reported. So Do all the dots just look like Garfield? Oh, <laughs> Just a shitload of different spots <laughs> Turns out where people world. live is where they hear the fucking hum. Basically, yeah. It's all over the place. Wow. Um, not a whole lot in Asia, interestingly. No, indeed. But a I lot wonder if that's a product of people hearing it or not, or of them just not being familiar with the site. It's yeah, it's hard to say what, what um how New hum. the reporting is happening, but there are thousands. I think you said up and up until now, there's been like over ten thousand reports. It's globally yeah, distributed. That's so for it's, sure. Yeah, it's, it's all over the place. Like, it was originally reported in the UK, and if you zoom into just the UK, there are so many in the UK. There's a lot throughout Europe, a lot in North America, and other parts of the world as well. But those are the main hotspots. So it is very widely distributed. That's cool. Yeah. Most people have some experience with how disruptive some types of noises can be, right. which is why there are often noise ordinances in many cities and towns, especially at night. I'd like to explain this to my next door neighbor in this side over Ooh, here, who uh, peels out, not just leaves the apartment, but peels out <laughs> on his Harley every goddamn morning before 6 a.m. I can't wait to get to 7-Eleven and get my <laughs> coffee. It's better than last summer, though. He used to leave at around 4 every morning, and he would, every time... Start up his motorcycle, let it idle for a while, and then just so hard. Like I said, there's no other way to describe it other than peeling out and zooming down the road and like just Ugh. accelerating so much until like, actually at one point last. <laughs> you just last, hear him explode every morning. <laughs> yes, I don't know how he manages to keep coming back alive. And he keeps rebuilding the motorcycle every time. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Uh, there are many sufferers who dread the nighttime because of how loud and relentless the hum can be. So apparently it's largely Louder at nighttime. At night. The hum database is replete mm. with descriptions of desperate people who have been tormented by the noise for years. Mm-hmm. The phrase driving me crazy is all too common. I feel fortunate that in my case, the hum is more of a curiosity than it is an irritant. Mm-hmm. The project also aims to validate and normalize the phenomenon by discussing it alongside other widely reported auditory phenomena such as tinnitus, a relatively common medical condition that causes people to hear high-pitched squealing tones. Mm-hmm. Those who experience tinnitus and also the hum report the two as being completely different in character. So people who have experienced both who are also right. on the site there and stuff, which is cool. The latest update of the hum map from June 6th, uh, this article came out on June 20th, 2016. So okay. That was but now one. we're talking June 6th of this year? No, this is, uh, this is June 6th at the time of the writing of the article. Oh, so that, I see, I see. That was the latest update then. There's been more updates since then. Gotcha. Uh, presents roughly 10,000 map and data points, and we've already made some notable findings. For example, Ooh. we found that the mean and median age of hum hearers is 40.5 years, and 55% of hearers are men. This goes against the widely repeated theory that the hum mainly affects middle-aged and older women. I think that was back when it was largely being reported in the UK. They were saying that that was the main demographic, but they're finding that that is not the case. I think for them it's the wispy sigh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Interestingly, there are eight times as many ambidextrous people among hearers as there are in the general population. Eight times as many? Yeah. As more data are collected from hum hearers, I hope that specialists in demographics and inferential statistics will be able to generate more detailed results. So right now it's just a correlation doesn't necessarily mean anything but it's right, a pretty dramatic right. correlation it's kind of weird it's crazy yeah, i don't know if he weird. says the specific stat in here but it says that of the overall population it seems like 
about 2% of people can hear the hum. Okay. Usually with age, the frequency range you can hear it changes. It tightens up. But usually, yeah, it tightens. Like for, on both ends, you, you can hear fewer low and high frequency sounds right. as you get older. So there's... Like there are certain apps, I guess that's like some kids will have in school that for their phone that will make a sound like either notifications on their phone or something or something that's such supposedly, a high frequency or something that only they there's can like hear a certain it. age beyond which people can't hear it, so <laughs> their teacher can't hear it. I remember a friend of mine who was a TA or something, and I think in Missouri when I was there, mm-hmm. she's a professor now actually. Oh, but cool. She's um, she was a postdoc when I was working with her, and she started teaching while she was a postdoc, mm-hmm. and um. I think it's supposed to affect people over the age of like 35 and mm. she could clearly hear it because she was in her early 30s and mm-hmm. she was pissed off at guys turn that off also how old do you think i am <laughs> but yeah so the idea that the usual age is people who are on the older side of the spectrum like kind of middle-aged but a little bit older than you know 40 and stuff right it's surprising that they're the people who hear it the most often um you'd think it'd be more in younger people so that is not the case yeah exactly Hmm. Um, as for the ambidextrous thing, I, I don't see any reason why there should be a correlation, but it's just an interesting finding. He wanted to report because it happened to come out in the most recent study they had done. I guess I have, I have a couple questions. Sure. One of which is, I would wonder how much people who are reporting that they hear this hum and reporting that they're ambidextrous aren't just generally the type of people who over self-assess or something you know it they could be but then i also wonder how many data points do they have of people who don't hear the hum but still report all their other kind of biometrics you know what i mean like that would be kind of cool to have oh yeah get a bunch of you know what i mean compare the, the hum here is to the non-hum here yeah exactly and see what that would make that sense. feels they, like the natural other side of the data set yeah oh wait, i should contact this guy because he seems like he might be open to stuff like that you know he's but, very interested in studying this as, in as scientific a way as possible the tricky part would be, since it's all self-reporting, right. the tricky part would be convincing people to report on stuff for something that they don't have any yeah, investment in at all. it's so true. Like, people but, wouldn't necessarily seek it out. But yeah. if he really is serious about it, you know, because then maybe you have eight times as many ambidextrous people hearing the hum as... Wait, let's see. Let me read the actual sentence. There are eight times as many ambidextrous people among hearers as right, there are among in hearers. the general population. So... He's comparing it to the general population right. of non-hum hearers, I guess. So maybe he does have some amount of that data. But yeah, it would be interesting to see because then you can really start to see if there's any kind of precondition for hum hearing. Yes. And it's definitely still ongoing. I'll get to some more recent stuff uh, later on. All right. Chapter three. The goals of the research. The goals. The historical record of the hum is crucial because if the current version as narrated by Deming is correct, many theories can immediately be ruled out. After all, cell phones and harp didn't exist until decades after the worldwide hum was first documented in England in the late 1960s. I currently have a researcher digging into the Times of London Digital Archive to search for mentions of the hum going back to the 18th and 19th centuries. If convincing examples are found, then the direction of my research will shift dramatically because all modern technologies could be ruled out. Mm -hmm. In my view, there are currently four hypotheses for the source of the world hum that survive the most superficial scrutiny. The first hypothesis, argued by Deming and the one I'm currently pursuing, is that the hum is rooted in very low-frequency radio transmissions. Okay. At the time of this, 2016, that was the thing he thought made made the most sense and he wanted to pursue. Right. He's been experimenting with that since then and has actually made some conclusions since then. I'll get to that in a bit. Ooh. It's increasingly accepted now that the human body will sometimes experience electromagnetic EM energy and interpret it in a way that it creates sound. This was established for high-frequency EM energy by the American neuroscientist Alan Frey and his infamous microwave hearing experiments, 
which showed that certain radio frequencies can actually be heard as sounds. Yes, cool. Today, there are biophysical models that predict and explain the impact VLF-EM energy has on living tissue. I've designed and built a VLF radio blocking box that should be able to test whether VLF radio frequencies are a prerequisite for generating the hum. The second hypothesis is that the hum is the grand accumulation of low-frequency sound and human-generated infrasound, sounds with audio frequencies below roughly 20 hertz, and which can be felt more than they can be heard. This right, includes right. everything from highway noise to all manner of industrial activity. We've covered infrasound a couple of different times in a couple of different contexts. It's It'll responsible for a too. lot of cool. It's, yeah. it's a really interesting just level, like this frequency range of sound that has a lot of weird effects on the human body. The third is that the hum is a terrestrial or geological phenomenon that generates low-frequency sounds or perceptions of those sounds. Right. For example, there is a well-documented history of animals predicting earthquakes and taking action to save themselves. From an evolutionary perspective, there may be survival value in having members of a population highly sensitive to some types of vibrations. Right. When it comes to the hum, some humans may have a similar physiological mechanism in place. And it would make sense, you know, something like that that isn't super common would be, therefore, only experienced by a small amount of the population. Right. The fourth is that the hum is an internally generated phenomenon, perhaps rooted in a particular anatomical variation, genetic predisposition, or the result of toxicity and medication. The hum is now the subject of serious media coverage and increasingly scientific scrutiny. It's so funny how much our two things are overlapping right now. That's cool. Carry on. The overall goal of my project and the people who contribute to it is to find the source of the hum and, if possible, stop it. If the hum is I man-made, said stop it! Yeah. Stop it! Please! If the hum is man-made, then my task is to raise public awareness and advocate turning away from the technologies that are causing it. If the source is exogenous and natural, there's the possibility that there may be no escape from it, apart from masking it with background sounds. Of course, there is the remote possibility that one of the more exotic explanations will prove to be correct. But, as in all science, it seems best to start with what we know and is plausible, as opposed to what we don't know and is implausible. Mm-hmm. So, thanks again to Glenn McPherson for not only summarizing the phenomenon so well, mm. but for doing so with a decidedly rational approach. He doesn't yeah, try and real. go off in the deep end and stuff, or even really give much lip service to the more fringe theories at all, which is nice. And further thanks for taking this a step further and doing some first-hand research and experimentation. That's pretty cool of him. That is he pretty cool. been doing that since then. He's still at it, too. So he has a YouTube channel now for all the stuff from thehum.info. And he actually has been uploading pretty recently to it uh, different stuff about it. So most recently was a couple of days ago. Let's see. um, Oh, shit. This particular, I think he has one from yesterday, possibly. This particular clip I'm going to play is from May 30th. So last week. So, yeah, before we uh, hear this, I just have one quick thing to say, which is that he should establish an organization called Shush Up. (laughs) The standardized house or home of universal studies of the hum universal phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) When we mentioned to him the idea of um, testing for those specific demographics, we should also pitch that name. (laughs) Shush up. By the way, while you're at it, shush up. Uh, What do you think? Yeah, notes? Any notes? Any notes? (laughs) He's like, oh, I've got notes. (laughs) All right. Um, So here's a little clip of him talking about some stuff. Second is the suggestion, and in my view, the current, uh, currently most reasonable suggestion, that the worldwide hum is in fact not a noise, in the same way that tinnitus is not an actual noise, but rather generated internally by the body, 
and creates the perception of a noise. Now, in the case of tinnitus, um, most of us have experienced that uh, transient, uh, high-pitched, squealing, um, high-frequency noise. In the case of the worldwide hum, a much smaller proportion of the population can hear it. At best, perhaps 2 to 3% of There's the adult that. population, from There's what I can infer so far. <laughs> now, tinnitus, again, which manifests... Uh, he goes on to describe tinnitus more, but whatever. He, he's, <laughs> he's like, he's if made... I haven't said it already, it's a high-pitched, <laughs> yeah. high-frequency sound that's very high in pitch. Yeah. They think this could be a, a low frequency version of something like that. That's less, I like less that common. actually. I like so that idea. This is, I jumped in like kind of a third of the way into this particular video after he describes the other hypothesis, which is the idea of it being the um, uh, that particular type of radio signal, um, specific frequency that he was going to test for. Sure. Finished testing on that, found that it does not seem to be that. Mm. Um, blocking for it, cool. uh, like blocking that particular frequency out, doesn't seem to have any effect on people who can hear the hum. I see. Um, and so he thinks that it must not be that in that case. It would also be interesting to see if uh, you throw someone in a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah. I mean, he took a sort of step towards it. If, well, he, that. He, he said he made like, different kind of Faraday cage type setups, mm -hmm. including like the um, the that frequency blocker. I don't know if he followed the actual like thing from that paper where he said that you have a frequency blocker an actual soundproof chamber and then just a normal room that has nothing special about it right um to compare i don't know if he did the soundproof room thing or not because that would be a step towards the sensory deprivation thing but that, that would, would be, be cool sensory deprivation would be a really cool way to do it because you yeah. could definitely be sure that it's absolutely only coming from within you exactly i mean i guess the next best thing would be like a renaissance faraday cage but that is uh, much harder to construct <laughs> so that is uh that is mr Doctor, Mister Doctor McPherson. I can't remember what his actual. If he's Mister or Doctor, he's like, please, Mister Doctor McPherson. So that's his take on this stuff, and so now he's yeah exploring the idea of it being a sound-like phenomenon coming from inside the body, and yeah, that would be one really good way to test it. it would be a sensory deprivation tank. Uh, the downside being that if you try too hard, you might summon a demogorgon. Yeah, you might tear the very fabric of uh, time and space. Yes. Uh, that would not be good. That would turn the hum into a scream. <laughs> yes. uh, I do have a couple more recordings before we switch oh, yeah, on please. over to your story. Nonsense. No um, rush. No rush. And so I'll play those pretty quickly now. Quickly. Quickly now. Quickly now. So here's one example of what the hum is supposed to sound like. Oh, man. So this, no Holy shit. Where, yeah, this also sounds super distorted, but this is, again... So I'll link to each of these so that you can try and listen to them on your own headphones or whatever. On headphones, it sounds great. On here, it sounds like shit. I feel like it's killing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, this particular uh, cable cannot handle low frequencies like that, and so it's coming through distorted. You but, need a cable that's like six inches thick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and here's one more version of it, which is... Um, Specifically, supposed to be the Taos hum. Don't you dare play Despacito right now. <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. It's kind of spooky, this one. It is. And it goes on for a while. Oh. That one, that one frightens me also, for some reason. Also, the first time I played, if you hear it with normal headphones, it sounds pretty... It's like just a continuous hum. It's almost pleasant. It's a 12-hour clip. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> That's uh, like for people who want to like sleep. Yes. Listening to the sound of being digested or something. 
This one, however, is terrible. It sounds like, really extreme. That also, reminds me of the sound they used for that, um, what was it, like the, the clarion horn prank or whatever. Remember the, that hoax? Um, the, what was it called? The sky trumpets. The sky trumpets. The apocalyptic Can we whatever. play a quick clip of that as yeah, well? Yeah, actually, let's find that. Just to do a side-by-side. Side. pretty similar. Sky trumpets. I thought about covering that to see if there's enough of a fun story there, but it's... Um, Let's see. End times. More strange trumpet sounds coming from Sky. <laughs> uh, 1.6 million views. That must be it. Hashtag question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> this Actually, is not like, what I th- no, am familiar with. This is just their opening graphic, oh. which is way too long. Normal Christian uh, on an abnormal planet. Oh, my God. Dion, the, uh, Dion versus Earth. <laughs> He's like, at least the Earth's flat. Interestingly, I noticed that that was also um, distorting. So I wonder if something's just wrong with how it, the volume right now. The last few weeks about strange sounds being heard in the atmosphere. People around the world and here at home have reported hearing some bizarre noises. Some strange noises heard around I'll just the... Jump ahead too. Sounds in the sky. Jump to another one, maybe. Ooh. The idea of hearing these sounds coming just from the sky is that pretty terrifying. That would fucking scare the shit out of me. Oh yeah. <laughs> People thinking, oh, it must be a sign of the of the end times. There's all one to do with clip right now. Ooh. But um, how do they do that hoax? So one person posted at one point saying it was real, and then someone else, the person who like revealed that she had hoaxed anyway. Um, said that she'd done it because her family was freaking out about about the video, and she was saying, "No, it's really easy to fake Spoof this." this. Yeah, so she yeah. made her own fake, and it went super virally fast. Like this is exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, I didn't mean anyone to even see this. And everyone's like, and "Look, look, it's evidence of the end of days." All she did was record a video with her phone and have her laptop right behind her phone playing a sound. <laughs> And there it's like, you go. Oh, look, it's the same sound, but it's in a different part of the world. Oh wow! Oh. And playing, you could play a sound from like one of the movies was um, was War of the Worlds. There you like go, the Tom Cruise version. Yeah, so like the loud the TCV, sound if you will. War O T W T C V. Exactly. Um, and then uh, uh, this is another movie that had similar kind of sounds like that too, but different stuff like that could be used and just played off camera and would do it right. Um, huh. That's cool. So the last version of the hum that I played sounds like some kind of nonsense thing like that. Yeah. But the interesting thing about all of the recordings is that if only 2% of people can hear it, yeah. how would any recorder pick it up? And how would you... Indeed. Like, seems like you just, and, and if it did pick it up, how would everyone be able to hear whatever is playing on the recorder? So Yeah, that's true. Actually. So it's just like, it just doesn't work. So it's... um There have been a couple of clips. Like I think the first two I played probably were... um People were playing like oh this is this is the hum recorded but mm-hmm. they probably found it from someplace else and some of the sources are people who actually made like generated the sound saying this is what i hear like this is kind of what it sounds like when i hear it they swallowed so, a parabolic mic and just waited yeah. around <laughs> <laughs> yes um <laughs> no they uh they synthesized the sound and put it out like this is roughly what it sounds like when i I'm hear gonna it approximate what i'm yes yeah. and then people then picking up that and saying oh this is the actual recording of the sound and it just gets proliferated that way right According to Glenn McPherson and people like that, there are no actual recordings of mm. the hum. Mm-hmm. Um, any purported ones are probably not real. Right, right. 
So that is what we know so far about the hum. It is an unsolved mystery, which is what I like about it because it's still unfolding now. That's very, very cool. Yeah. I enjoy that very much, Jake. Thank you. So I know we want to jump into your auditory phenomenon, which sounds like it dovetails nicely with mine. It does indeed. But rather than allow for that I see smooth we have transition these to happen, large wheels I set did, up in I the house. I did get them all out and set up, and so I figured we, maybe we should uh, do some Shadowlands roulette. All right. So do you want to uh, yes, go first? Yes. Uh, let's see. Flip the dreaded coin. So let me get this straight, because I always fuck it up. I flip the coin for you. <laughs> I actually think we haven't been consistent in how we do that, and I don't know that it matters. <laughs> All right, then um, let's see. I'll I'll flip the coin. Okay. Here we go. And we are Ooh. looking at the the repulsive wheel of other countries. Other countries. Oh boy. All right. So I mean, I'm gonna spin the wheel of other countries then. So I flip the coin, then you spin the wheel, and then I flip the coin, then you'll spin a wheel. And, but once the wheel has landed, who has to receive oh, the fate? I That's the mm, ultimate question. I think I spin and then I read. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you have to. You seal your own fate. Shadowlands Roulette is a game where we um, we, yes. we go to Shadowlands.net, an old old website full of all kinds of we different stories. We conjure it up. We actually have to do a very yes, long. Really, yeah. We luckily we did the ceremony before we started recording, so we'd be ready for this. It's yeah, um, exactly. It's putting up a lot did, of heat. We did summon the website back to us. Um, from the distant past of 1996 or something, something like that 94 okay. excuse me so it's full of different stories of haunted places all over the world and also the country in the united states <laughs> and, um, and so we are going to just randomly find out where we land on one of these stories mm -hmm. and we'll read it as it appears Indeed. verbatim For and it's fun exactly and the way we select this is we had um three sort of accursed artifacts created for us one is a very large coin of doom that we flip first to determine if we're going to talk about the uh, United States or the rest of the world. And then we spin one of two monstrously huge wheels, which will uh, dictate which place we go to. So, Jake, I'm so sorry to say you have to spin the repulsive wheel of other countries. All right. So, I climb, don't remember why we made these wheels as big as we did. They seem to get larger every time we I do this, too. I think there might be something to that. <laughs> All right. Let's see what I can do. Okay. You want to spot me? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Okay, I'm right. Go. Ah. Holy shit. Oh, I got a good one that time. That's going. That it is, is going. going. Oh my god, it just stopped suddenly on a dime. That's weird. Ooh, you've got Afghanistan, my friend. Afghanistan. Alrighty. Let me just head on over to Afghanistan. It's going to take a while. And there are two stories on here, so I will randomly scroll through the two. <laughs> Should we just flip the coin again? <laughs> Uh, no, the coin, we don't want to flip the cursed coin anymore than we That's have true. to. It drains a day off our life every time. All right. <laughs> so the Afghan Tajikistan border, Hindu Kush Mountains. Hey, yeah, buddy. The Isle. Feminine looking entities with floating hair, pale eyes resembling milky white orbs, and glacier pale skin are said to inhabit the region whenever the sun's rise is so high that you cannot see your own shadow or at twilight. Even though they normally go on about their business, it is best to treat them with respect, since the hmm. Isle are known to be quite violent and hostile. Ooh. That is why you almost never see any villagers or nomads out during those times in the day. My goodness. So that's go figure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're just they're like short. that. Yeah. 
Okay, I got to flip the coin now. All right. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Let me pick this thing up. We made the coin really big, too. That I seems know. like an oversight on our part, coin. but I'm going to flip it. All right. <laughs> oh. And we got... Uh, we got the dreaded wheel of states. Oh shit! All right. Well, uh, so you go ahead and. Uh, I'll uh, climb up here. So if you have to fall, fall this way. Okay. Ugh. Oh, that was a mighty spin, Mr. Show. Thank you, thank you. And we are looking at oh, Maine. Maine. Hey, All I'm from right. there. Let's see here. Maine. I guess I've read from Maine before, actually. Hopefully, I don't read the same one again. <laughs> so scroll on. Ooh, there's all a shitload from Maine. Oh, Maine shit. is very haunted. I um, I got a very short one. It's called the Madawaska. All right. Madawaska. They're there, as in the possessive. There have been sightings of lights in the shape of a human figure brooms and janitorial objects have been seen moving on their own when you said that i thought i was picturing lights in the shape of a human being or in the shape of brooms (laughs) they decide people have said that a janitor died in front of the stage area no one knows for sure what the weird sightings are though all right the end (laughs) where is that that is the madawaska madawaska does it have any other description of the location? Only Madawaska. Huh. I guess that must be a high school or some shit. I don't know. Let's look it up on the map. Sounds good. Oh, shit. It is right up on the northern border, right near New Brunswick, Canada. Well, that would be why I hadn't heard of it, because Indeed. I never really went up there very, for it many, many w- reasons. way the F up there. I was right in the middle of the old state. There looked to be about five roads in old Madawaska. <laughs> Great. Well, you know, roulette being what it is, you know, you never know what's going to actually come out. You never know what's going to happen. I think we were even spared this time. uh, Yeah. A more horrifying story. Exactly. So, well, there you have it. Shadowlands Roulette. Well, for my story today, we're digging up a situation I had sort of thought we'd interred for good mm. way back in episode five, Hooked yes. on Sonics, which we just referenced in the in your section. Uh, longtime listeners may recall my story from that uh, episode in which I described the Cuban sonic attacks. Yes, indeed. A quick recap, starting in 2016... A rash of reports out of Cuba described how many American and Canadian diplomats were suffering from strange sonic attacks at various sites on the island, often in a hotel and often confined to just one room. They were variously described as a very painful, blaring, grinding, or chirping sound. These audio blasts were reportedly sort of beamed at victims, so they were like targeted just at the room or just in a part of the room. But as crazy as that sounds, it caused some folks to exhibit symptoms akin to those seen in concussions, like mild traumatic brain injury, and other folks suffered actual permanent hearing loss. So the Cuban... Right? Shit is crazy. So the Cuban government dismissed these events as anything. They were just kind of like, that's fucking nonsense. And uh, our current administration, though, of course, made as much hay out of it as they could. Sonic Weapons was the name of the day. Yes. However, even after the Associated Press obtained a recording purportedly of the sounds, experts in the field of acoustic weaponry, which is a thing, uh, were quick to debunk this as anything other than nonsense. 
They're basically saying, you know, we've been trying to make this stuff. It's not working. That's not it. Yeah, this this isn't how this works. Basically, to have a device that could beam sound of that strength into that space from a distance far enough away that you're not, like, basically in the room, it would be, like, you know, another building's worth of Speakers sound emitting stuff. Yeah. stuff. Exactly. So it wouldn't be that hidden. And <laughs> if it was a very small device, you'd basically have to, like, probably put the person in like ballistic gel and then put the thing immediately on it and even then they're like i didn't see what happened i always sleep completely encased in ballistic gel um so you know it's like you can get a sponsorship from ballistic gel ballistic gel we haven't gotten anything from any mattress companies yet so maybe and we could probably i could probably stuff a mattress with ballistic gel and that'd be pretty comfortable to sleep on so i just want to sleep good guys but the sounds we heard back then, and I actually will need the little dongle, jack of all trades. So people may recall a sound that sounded like this from the first episode, or if you're just tuning in for the first time now, this is what we heard or what people recorded in Cuba that was purportedly what others who suffered these attacks, quote unquote, um, had also heard. Sounds familiar to me. Sounds like bugs. Sounds like bugs. Probably bugs. Uh, and that's kind of where we left the story last. It's just bugs, guys. It's bugs, guys. Come um, on, guys. So we had tucked the sonic attacks under six feet of probably just the sound of bugs and construction equipment in the graveyard <laughs> of mass hysteria. <laughs> Uh, well, as brought to our attention by a close friend of the show, Lauren Not Coleman, <laughs> it sounds like this shit is still going on. Other folks who aren't Lauren who listen to the show yep. may remember Lauren from the fact that she made the goddamn logo. Indeed. So all of the anything visual All of the for things that are cool about the show are her fault. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then we do this. We, yeah, <laughs> we, we take a beautiful brand and we just kind of shit on it for an hour yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It represents us. And that is the show. There you go. So, uh... Anyway, Lauren found this story and Lauren sent it found to the story, us through the it, contact form on the website. Sent it on over, and it sounds like this stuff is still happening, but now we're going to travel around the old globe to southeast China. Mm-hmm. So, the New York Times carries an article just last week on the 6th of this June. Uh, Guangzhou... It's my mom's birthday. Hey, did she write the article? I think she did. Actually, June 6th Damn. came up in uh, my thing as well. June 6th, 2016 was when the last uh, study came the out for his thing. But yes, <laughs> but I um, I was going to say, that's my mom's birthday, but I didn't think to at the time. And now it's coming up again, so I have a chance to. Happy birthday, Happy birthday. last week, mom. Happy birthday. She likes my Facebook post sometimes. She's a nice lady. She is a nice lady. Guangzhou, China is where we're headed. Um, it's a major commercial hub of 14 million people about 75 miles or 120 kilometers north of Hong Kong. And it's here that a, quote, number of individuals have been evacuated. <laughs> I was hoping you say, quote, a number. Unquote, a number, unquote. Yeah. Of, quote, individuals. <laughs> a, 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 quote, number, unquote. <laughs> oh. Quote. Of, <laughs> <laughs> have been evacuated. From the American consulate, I'm trying not to just continue <laughs> laughing like a moron right now. I've been evacuated from the American consulate back to the States for medical testing. 
Um, so shit is getting real. The New York Times reported just last week again that just last month um, an official statement was released detailing how for months now American diplomats in Guangzhou have been suffering similar ailments to those previously reported in Cuba. So things kicked off this past spring after the first reports of employee illness, but cases have become widespread ever since that. Hmm. Um, Much as what was reported in Cuba, injuries and illnesses are reported following sensations of sounds and vibrations um, that have been described variously as the noises made by cicadas, sort of akin to what we just heard. Yeah. Static, metal sheets waving, or in a more recent case, marbles rolling around a metal funnel. Hmm. Um, So again, the sound that you guys heard just now, that was basically corroborated by people who had heard something before suffering these ailments it's not necessarily like someone was like being attacked and clicked on their recording device right they were just like that's what it sounds like so kind of like the hum in that way i suppose in that regard Um, especially strange is that the american consulate building where some of these attacks have occurred which opened back in 2013 is a state-of-the-art design so it's basically built to stave off electronic eavesdropping and other kinds of security and intelligence threats, which would involve this kind of interference. So it's inside the building, oh, okay. potentially. That said, plenty of cases still in Guangzhou have come from high rises near the consulate structure, and these buildings are likely not as complex in their design. Uh, recently, a Mr. Mark Lenzi was evacuated to the States with his family to undergo testing. He'd lived in an apartment tower near the consulate from which others had also reported similar symptoms. Over the past year, Mr. Lenzi and his wife have experienced physical symptoms, including headaches, sleeplessness, and nausea, and on three or four occasions heard odd noises, sort of like near the onset of those symptoms. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really put the pieces together until they heard the official disclosures about the strange events. Hmm. So, kind of one of these things that may be subtle enough that you wouldn't even know that that's what's happening to you. But, again, there's like physical outcomes from it. This has a little bit less implausible than the stuff from the Cuban story where it's like, oh, they're being assaulted by the sound. I was like, something was happening. I wasn't quite aware of it. Right, right, exactly, right? Uh, So, it's, it's very strange. There are fears that... Uh, there may indeed be some kind of device or possibly a toxin hmm. used by agents from perhaps China or maybe more likely Russia to sort of subtly harm American and Canadian governmental persons. Um, Haven't they done enough harm to our government already? <laughs> indeed. Um And these are also happening in regions where these attacks are happening in regions with which America already has a stressful relationship. So Cuba, China, it could be one of these things where they're trying to like, you know, instigate some kind of tension. Oh, you know, who who, probably was the Cubans that did it. Probably was China that did it. As further reported in the Times article, quote, Mr. Lindsay worked for the diplomatic security uh, department and he believes that his work could have made him a target. Before joining the Foreign Service in 2011, he worked with the International Republican Institute, funded by Congress, promoting democratic reforms in Ukraine and Georgia, two countries where Russia has denounced American involvement. Hmm. So, you know, there's like a sort of conspiracy going on about Russia's involvement. And to be fair, Putin's Russia has repeatedly proven itself to be basically the troll capital of the world. Yep. 
um, and the thought of using a kind of high tech. Right after Norway, (laughs) where all the actual trolls live. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Everyone should watch Troll Hunter. It's a wonderful, silly, farcical movie. Um, It is. And the thought of using a high-tech yak back to sicken American <laughs> diplomats. Oh, that's a throwback. Oh, that brings me back. Mm-hmm. They made them seem so cool on TV, and the audio quality was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I like to fart. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it, I think you're doing it like, too much service. Saying that. It's more of a... You're right. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we said it was going to yak. <laughs> it is not an articulate back. <laughs> um, so Vox has recently joined the media swarm covering these attacks and presents the four widely proposed theories, which I figured we could consider now. Sure. So, number one, first and foremost. <laughs> <laughs> you can't breathe water, my man. <laughs> You don't know that. <laughs> Number one, the sonic weapon theory. It's kind of the mm-hmm. it's the one we all not so secretly want in a way because it sounds exciting and espionage. No, pun, no and... pun intended. Am I right? Come on. Oh shit. So some kind of sonic weapon. However, it's also the least likely. Mm-hmm. So evidence in support. There are sonic weapons. For instance, there is the mosquito which produces ultrasonic bursts, uh, which is used as a teenager repellent, which is a hilarious sounding thing, (laughs) but basically to deter loitering. So ultrasound is known to cause headaches and nausea with extended exposure. So So this is kind of the inverse of of the the hum in this regard. Oh, never mind. The inverse of that app that students, like teenagers would use in class. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like it's using it against them. This is what teachers should set up as a mosquito at the front of the class (laughs) that they could just click a button. (laughs) Stop fucking texting. Um, That'd be kind of awesome. But yeah, you know, when you're younger, you can hear a wider range of sounds. This just came up in Jake's segment. And um, so the mosquito is great for, you know, older convenience store owners, I guess. <laughs> we could just blast that shit and teenagers, teenagers will uh, depart the scene. Uh, further, since the early 90s, other kinds of long-range acoustic devices, or LRADs, have been used by authorities to control crowds of people through loud, painful sounds. But we also have evidence against. Um, so the weapon described by victims, uh, one which is small or subtle enough to never be found, but effective enough to beam strange noises into single rooms is basically not physically possible to produce. So I already mentioned Mm -hmm. this at the top pretty much. Like I said, then one could make a device that could blast sound into an apartment, but it would be fucking humongous and no one would possibly miss it. Oh man, we're right next to the speaker building. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Should have known better than to get the hotel here. Why don't I feel good? <laughs> like literally everything in the room is just vibrating out the table and shit. <laughs> Blood just pouring out of his ears. <laughs> Gushing out. I don't think I feel good. So, right. Probably not a weapon. Number two, a sonic listening device. Mm. So these often operate at the ultrasonic or infrasonic levels. Basically, this is the weapon theory, but without the fanciful trappings in some ways. Mm -hmm. Evidence and support, infrasound, uh, which is at a frequency too low for our ears to detect, again, like with the hum, perhaps, can still cause a lot of damage, including permanent hearing loss, which is what's often reported. Mm -hmm. 
just because you can't hear a sound doesn't mean vibrational waves aren't still smashing into you and your sensitive little organs. <laughs> Furthermore, listening devices have been used against diplomats before. Says Vox, from 1953 to 1976, the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was subjected to microwave radiation from the Soviets as they tried to listen in on conversations, though without any particularly notable health effects at the time. Still, it's the kind of thing, like, what came up during your segment, I believe. Mm. Um, this is another moment I was like, oh shit, this is dovetailing so crazily <laughs> with mine. If we actually planned this well, it would be so great. Yeah, right? <laughs> Man, it's... uh. Too bad all our free time that we have <laughs> wasn't yeah. used otherwise. <laughs> but right, so evidence against if infrasound, it's very unlikely victims would actually hear anything at all. Right. Uh, certainly not a chirping or high-pitched what have you. Also, much like the weapon scenario, such devices might have trouble getting through the consulate's specially designed walls. Not to mention they probably don't really exist. So <laughs> <laughs> That last little detail is kind of a sticking point. That's a sticking point for sure. Uh, the third theory they bring up that's also covered widely elsewhere is it could be some kind of fancy toxin or even an infectious disease of some kind. So in this case, a toxin may have been administered to the victims well before their symptoms began. Mm. And the sort of um, agent could then cause the brain injuries and hearing problems that were later reported. Evidence and support. Toxins can indeed cause brain damage, <laughs> turns out. And espionage-level poisonings have been pulled off many times in the past, particularly by damn Ruskies. <laughs> Just think of all the polonium-210 incidents. For instance, Alexander uh, Litvinenko, Litvinenko, I believe. You may recall news coverage of this from a little better than 10 years ago. This guy was a former officer in the Russian Federal Security Service and the KGB. He flees prosecution in Russia after calling out Putin and seeks asylum in the UK, lives a few comfortable years, and then on the 1st of November 20, uh, 2006, he suddenly falls ill. He had met two former KGB officers, uh, Andre uh, Lugovoy and Dmitry Kovtun, earlier that day. Uh, his condition rapidly worsens. Doctors only finally determined that he was poisoned with polonium-210 on November 22nd, literally like hours before he dies. Wow. So this is the kind of stuff where like someone taps you with an umbrella and suddenly you die. <laughs> <laughs> like it's very easy to be poisoned. Uh, furthermore, there's a, I should have dug this up, but um, just this year in March, there was a um, diplomatic figure who... I believe him and his daughter. He and yes. his daughter were uh, poisoned. Yeah. I'm not sure by polonium or not, but either way. So all this to say there's a history of this kind of thing being done pretty much to whoever and wherever it is wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, evidence against, as reported by Vox, Mitchell Valdez Sosa, an expert in auditory physiology from Cuba, no less, uh, told Scientific American in February that poisoning or infectious disease is very unlikely in these cases. Part of the reason is that diseases in the area, like dengue or Zika, wouldn't produce concussion-like symptoms as described by the potential victims. Yeah. Further, it would be hard to target all these separate individuals with such a precise poisoning agent, he, he thinks. Yeah. I personally don't know that the targeting multiple persons with a poisoning agent is that hard of a challenge if someone were really to put their mind to it. But I agree that 
really any kind of international poisoning I can think of has been done to kill, not deafen. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're going to go to those lengths, I feel like you're... It's a got, really weirdly specific thing to try and do, and yeah. it doesn't seem like practical. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go to the lengths of poisoning them. No, 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 not to kill. Just to mess with them a bit. <laughs> you know, a concussion level. <laughs> and then number four... It's boy mass stereo <laughs> back in the mix. <laughs> All right. So U.S. diplomats in China may have gotten so nervous about what may or may not have happened to their friends in Cuba that they legit worried themselves sick, worried themselves into a concussion. <laughs> they so, worried their heads right into the wall. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. oh, oh, what happened to me? <laughs> so evidence and support mass hysteria is fucking legit. Uh, Vox actually makes reference to a very cool example, which is the dancing mania of Strasbourg in the borderlands of France near Germany. If you've never heard the story, it actually blew my mind that this actually happened, apparently. It sounds vaguely familiar, but feel free to refresh myself and I, the audience. I shall do so. Yeah, everyone out there is like, I think I know the story. <laughs> uh, one day in 1518, so you know, just a couple, 500 years ago, uh, Frau Trophea began dancing in the streets of Strasbourg. Picturing um, yeah, David Bowie and Mick Jagger. She was channeling that from the future. <laughs> she begins dancing. Most laugh it off right away because she's just going on and on. But she continues for six days straight. Damn. Dancing. That is impressive. By the end of the first week, 34 other people had joined in. Wow. By the end of the first month, 400 people were dancing Whoa. like crazy in Strasbourg. Just no music whatsoever at first. And weirdly enough, they're all doing the exact same choreography in time with each other. Exactly. It was the Macarena. <laughs> but, like, officials in Strasbourg apparently, like, set up stages and, like, started playing music to try to, like, fight fire with fire. Like, here, yeah. here, okay, you can do Dance your fucking this, then we stop the song, you can stop you dancing, You can finally maybe? stop, because legit, apparently, at the height of the dancing mania, reports the BBC, 15 people were dying each day. From strokes, heart attack, and sheer exhaustion. Damn. Straight fucking crazy. Getting back to China and Cuba, evidence against mass hysteria in these cases. Way less dancing. So much less dancing, so not mass hysteria. <laughs> um, as much as a person can worry themselves legitimately insane and could likely believe themselves to have heard strange and upsetting noises, no amount of mass hysteria can outright cause the signs of concussion and or hearing loss. Medical investigators have actually detected in victims. Mm. You can't, like, concern yourself into a concussion. <laughs> How many cases have there been? Not a ton, um, as far as I know. I don't know that we have exact numbers yet, um, because it's kind of still ongoing. Yeah. But... I would say less than 40, less than 30 or 40. Still a decent number. Still a decent number. Probably closer to 20 or less. Okay. I was going to say, if it was a small enough number, you could wonder if it was just an unrelated thing that happened to them, and then the um, kind of paranoia could be playing into it, the, yeah, the right. possible cause. But Separate, separate. Again, this is the thing that comes up so often, I feel like, with the topics we cover, just by the nature of our you know, overall gestalt. Sure. Which is the various quote unquote witnesses of a single phenomenon are actually experiencing many different kinds of phenomena, but it's close enough to the thing that the narrative people propose. Yes, yeah, so they're assigning the same they description lump it to all, all of it. Right, right, exactly. So it's like the third or fourth week in a row that that has come up. And yes. It's something that happens a lot. It's so so uh such an important facet of all this. So in short, the case remains very, very open and very odd. 
Um, and I can't wait to hear what happens next. Yeah. Or can I? Just kidding. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there you have it. Very cool. Well, there's yes, some more unsolved audio mystery. That's great. Indeed. That's probably bugs. That's probably all bugs. That's all bugs. <laughs> Cicadas in every case. That would be actually pretty amazing if they found out that cicada, you know, whirring and chirping and buzzing induced some kind of brain damage <laughs> yeah. and like sickness in people. That'd be very strange. <laughs> Especially because all animal calls basically are just them yelling, Anyone want to fuck? <laughs> Anyone? Yo. Want to fuck? <laughs> and that causes brain damage to humans. <laughs> there you have it. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll be able to find more other cool audio phenomena to touch on in the future. I think it's something to be cool to approach Oh, again. yeah, for sure. Especially if there are any more updates on that. We'll just make sure... You'll just assign you to always keep up with any updates on that. We'll do. Get any other choice in, in the matter. Sounds um, good. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll keep looking out for more neat sound things to play into your ears, dear mm, listeners. Yes, and we'll have a cable that can actually play the sounds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But uh, yeah, until until that point, if you happen to have updates of things that we've talked about before that you want to hit us up with, do like Lauren and contact us. Or if you have different stories you want to present us with, either topics you like or just stories of your own, hit us up. Contact at superduperstitious.com. Yes, indeed. And in the meantime, please check out our Instagram and Facebook and uh, all the other social media things that... Yeah people do these days yeah. i don't have a smartphone <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's out there you know it's out there exactly i do and uh yeah thank you guys so much for joining us thanks a lot and we'll see you next week sounds good bye bye, bye.